Hello everybody, and welcome to Luxury Escapism, the oddly satisfying spa. Today we've created for you a wonderful selection of sensory installations and interactions that will delight and satisfy you if you let them. In the oddly satisfying spa, let your senses be your guide. We live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with influence, and our minds are suffering. Luxury escapism offers an alternative. Know that your own mind perceives the world through senses. Today, we encourage you to touch, to taste, to see, to smell, and to listen to our spa. Perhaps some of the things in the spa today you will find silly at first, almost childlike. However, it is okay to be silly sometimes. Allow yourself to return to the joy of discovery that perhaps you have lost. Allow yourself the peace and quiet that perhaps you have lost. Allow yourself the relaxation that perhaps you have lost. From everyone at Luxury Escapism, the oddly satisfying spa, we hope you will enjoy your experience. Thank you for being with us. Okay, let me explain what's going on here. You've just heard the voice of Tyler Bridgen. He's saying hi to the guests of the oddly satisfying spa a space he is the creator of. When you get there, he was saying it too. Luxury escapism. Tyler Bridgen is a producer and consultant of augmented and virtual reality. His love for technology he wanted to use for something he finds meaningful. Relaxation and meditation. And that's also when the spa comes in. This unique kind of spa serves 10 relaxation stations which use immersive technology, ASMR and tactile stimulation to create a relaxing and playful environment. When I first been to this place, I didn't know what was going on, but what I knew, this is the most interesting indoors I've experienced so far being in New York. Imagine a spacious basement. Now let your eyes wander around. Picture an artificial fireplace made of real wood and shimmery shiny plastics. Then somewhere else a black yurt filling some space. Turn around and you'll see an area which has front yard qualities, with little fences framing a square filled with pebbles. Then go on exploring and you'll find an entrance to another room, and this one is all over covered with fake fur, all in white. Oh, I loved it there, and I wanted to know more. I was lucky that this interview was to my surprise with both makers of the Oddly Satisfying Spa. With Tyler Bridgen and the co-creator David Lobser. You will learn about the difference of augmented and virtual reality. About perceptions of reality. We've been talking about the good sides of escapism. For sure about the spa. And how we all can use technology more consciously. Let me also say real quick, this episode is also stepping way out of the textile field, but follows my passion for people with inspiring ideas and going for them. 
for reasons of integrity, my intro now. My name is Johanna. I will be living in New York City for the next six months. As a lover of fashion and its invisible power, of words, voices and questioning, I do what I like the most. Talk to people whose work and thoughts I find inspiring. This podcast is called Refashion New York City. Let's start with some clarifications. The difference between augmented and virtual reality. Tyler, David, please. That virtual reality is a total simulation. So in kind of the way we think about it right now, it's that your entire visual field is, is fully digital. So um, the entire environment, the entire scene is, is seen through the headset. Um, so there's two different types of that. There's three degrees of freedom, which just means you can move your head around. So you can kind of imagine that there's a, like a ball around your head and that everywhere you look, you're seeing different parts of that. And then there's six degrees of freedom, which means you can move through the scene as well. So you can actually get closer to an object or stand up or go down. Um, so that's more virtual reality. Those are the headsets that are fully covering your eyes and that's all you're seeing. And then augmented reality is actually what more people have experienced with things like Snapchat or um, any sort of digital overlay on a kind of a camera image is augmented reality. And then, so so that would be like face filters, stuff like that, where you can, you know, you can take a normal image and then augment it, change the way that it's being viewed and kind of shift the way that someone is, is able to see it. But then there's also this new term, mixed reality, which is where basically digital artifacts or digital objects are placed within your your view and that's like when you have an actual headset as well so that's with the the magic leap or no yeah magic leap david why can i not why leap motion <laughs> yeah so we keep getting <laughs> We keep getting confused because there's leap motion, which will also detect your your hand. So in one of our experiences that David developed called Celestial Flow, um, you're using your hands to manipulate a bunch of particles, and that's called a leap motion. And then a, um, a Magic Leap is a new headset that just came out. And you can see your normal world, but then there's also holograms that are within your normal world, and that's called mixed reality. And that's more in the realm of augmented reality. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that wasn't too convoluted. I'm sure it was. <laughs> that's okay. Do you have a favorite? Like, do you prefer more the interactive and the, the layer on the reality thing or the uh, stepping into a world be just like visually surrounded? Definitely, I prefer virtual reality, the full virtual reality, mostly because I think it's more differentiated and I don't really feel like augmented reality. I don't really need more information in my normal reality. I don't really want another layer of digital technology layered in it. I'd rather be like fully immersed in another world or... Um, 
or not, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, people kind of think that augmented reality has more of a future because it's going to connect us more to, you know, the internet or connect us together or, you know, it keeps you grounded in your normal reality. Like you can use it in your everyday life, but I'm not really that interested in that. I don't think David is that interested either, but yeah. I like virtual reality. You want to say something? Um, I have found that there are two kinds of people. There are AR people and VR people. I, I've been finding it's it's almost 50-50, uh, which, which one of those avenues people prefer. And I do think that people who are drawn to AR are more interested in um, useful applications. And the applications, I think, that Tyler and I are most interested in are therapeutic and entertainment and we're interested in creating fully immersive experiences as opposed to overlays on top of things or or anything like that also vr technology is much farther along it's going to be at least five years i think before glasses-based augmented reality is nearly as good as virtual reality experiences are so is there a specific understanding of reality you both have, you know? Ooh, interesting. Just, yeah, because I'm an artist, we also deal with that. Yes. Okay, so I've been I've been working a lot on like what kind of the space also represents and I think it's kind of supposed to represent that all realities are valid. All realities are creating a subjective, you know, a phenomenology. It, they're all experienced by an individual person. So I think that this kind of revolution of digital technology and digital realities is, you know, people look at it as not as important or something as your physical reality. But at the same time, it's affecting our entire reality very intensely. And any individual person's experience contributes to their reality. So I think we're entering this age where we're starting to feel like subjective reality is maybe more important to pay attention to than just an object objective reality because i think it goes back to that you know that the thought experiment that a lot of people have kind of independently or you know a lot of people have on their own like what if we all see different colors but we all associate them as the color that we're used to and so we don't really realize that we're all perceiving things differently and I think the obvious answer to that is we are all perceiving things differently. There are certain things that maybe biologically we have the same and we're using things like science to kind of recognize how we're experiencing them similarly, but we're also experiencing things totally differently. And I think that is our subjective reality. And so when we start to think about things like mental health, digital realities, augmented realities, you know, I'm on this app, so my reality is being affected by this app, you know? Um, maybe someone has a mental condition and so their reality is being affected by that. But all, anyone's reality is valid and they're all contributing to the larger world. So I think that this whole kind of digital revolution is just reminding us of that a little bit more. So when we say virtual reality, augmented reality, digital reality, physical reality, I just think it's all whatever you've decided is part of your subjective reality. And I think our space should kind of represent that as well. And be secure in that and happy about that. David? Um, I'll just add a, a small note um, to that. Uh, it was very well said. Um, 
uh, when VR first came out, it was like any other media where people were suddenly afraid that people were going to start spending all of their time in VR and they were going to be avoiding reality, right? But it's like Tyler was saying, everything is real. Your dreams are real. Every experience you have is real. And I think that the important thing is about intention. So we're using the idea of escapism, not as as you know, a pejorative term where you're escaping from reality and just sort of, um, you know, doping yourself up with something to avoid painful things. Uh, our attitude is more like we can use this technology that could potentially be used for nefarious purposes, but we're, we want people to come into the space and come to the technology-driven experiences we've made with a sense of intention to escape into their senses and escape in a way that allows them to gain some perspective on the rest of their life and possibly gain some new tools and new insights as well. Escape into their senses, that's very nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that was, we've been going back and forth a lot with this name, luxury escapism, because it is a little charged in some ways. I think we're in a time where escapism as a term is very negative and oftentimes associated with like not being able to function in the normal reality. And so you have to do something to escape. But I think what our argument is, is that people do that in a lot of very accepted ways. People read a novel and, you know, completely zone out of their reality. And that's very accepted people go and watch a movie and zone out of their reality and that's very accepted and i think that people using their imagination and being able to tap into their mind in a controlled and comfortable and mindful way is important for us all to realize that we do it in different and different ways and it's all just kind of us tapping into our subjective reality as well so even though it's a little bit of a charged name i think we like luxury escapism because it represents kind of this mindset that we have yeah that's a good point well while you are talking i just had the idea that it could have also been called like immersive exploration or something because this exploration thing is so um hip right now like that you explore yourself but it's also kind of escapism so it's nice that you i also like when people start to you know um make sure that words always had you know um different meanings or something right yeah like extra layers into extra layers, the yeah, actual experience yeah. or that it's not only negative for sure not you know right exactly yeah. and i was finding when we were thinking about it i was finding some quotes from different kind of like famous authors and stuff like that who were writing and they're kind of trying to take back escapism at certain points as well so we want to take back escapism as something that couldn't be positive yeah so cool. So I've, I think I have two more things. Um, how you got here before we start to dive deeper into the spa. Um, you studied, uh, you have, you know, you have a BA in visual studies and consumer psychology. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, what did you learn in this field? What shape what you are doing today? The visual studies was a program at the University of Pennsylvania that was very small. And it was a combination of kind of uh, philosophies on existence and realities, you know, a lot of things about subjective versus objective reality. Um, there was also um, elements of perception. So we did a lot of studies on perception and how our perceptual system works, namely our 
sense of sight and the neurological pathways that your brain goes through to basically produce vision in your mind, how depth perception works, how things like gestalt principles allow us to see patterns and things that aren't there, like what what kind of our brain is doing um, to create our realities and then kind of the difference between, yeah, like the phenomenology of these types of things, which can be a hard thing to look at exactly. So it's often in the more like philosophical realm. Um, and then at the same time, there was an art practice. So learning different, um, all the different kind of programs to like Photoshop and Illustrator. And then we also did sculpture-based things and um, 2D-based things, always like with, with high concepts that had to surround visual studies and had to surround the idea of perception. And so all of the work that was done in those university classes, I feel like they still are kind of leading up to the spa today. And um, I think everything we do here is kind of maintaining this element of perceptual shifting and like perceptual play um, and our goal is to have those things be accessible to people so instead of like going to you know instead of approaching this from like a high art concept that's maybe a little bit more inaccessible and maybe driven by more institutional models and maybe even a little bit more elitist we kind of wanted to create something that we could connect with a slightly larger audience if we could. Yeah. So cool. Like I didn't know what you were saying uh, to this question because uh, I have to say for the record that we have been talking before and you told me like that you're actually the fascination for this perception thing or for optics started very early with books, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so a lot of the books that we, we put some books around the spa on optical illusions and things like that, but um, all my, the initial interest came from an obsession with op optical illusions, um, books that kind of go through color theory and mixing colors on top of each other and after images and um, m images that move even though they're not moving. Um, and all those things kind of at a really young age I was spending a lot of time thinking about. And then when I found this this uh, program at Penn that basically was a optical illusion studies. I just figured that that was the best thing to do. Cool. So maybe David, also you can tell us something about your background. Are you also like, can I call you a VR producer too? Or David is like <laughs> the developer, like a creator of all David creates all of the things. <laughs> David has all the technical chops, and um, I think we kind of balance each other in terms of the creative. So we'll, he'll come up with an idea, and we'll kind of make it a reality in one space. I'll come up with an idea and make it a reality in the other space. But David, when it is is the manager, like is created all the technology, all the visuals, you know, things like that. So yes, he's definitely an expert on the subject. Uh, my background is in 3D animation. So for uh, late 90s through the aughts, I was an um, artist on uh, mostly TV commercials and some movies, so character animation and visual effects. And I directed commercials for a few years with a company called Blacklist, which is part of PSYOP. I want to explain this shortcut. 
Psyop is a commercial production company which specializes in the integration of animation, visual effects and live action production for advertising, entertainment, video gaming and virtual reality. I realized at some point I didn't like doing creative for clients and I was also a little tired of the production grind. So I learned how to uh, become a developer and I left ITP. Oops, another one. ITP is a graduate program located in the Tisch School of the Arts. I found that their mission is to explore the imaginative use of communications technologies and how they might augment, improve and bring delight and art into people's lives. They say the best way to describe them is as center for the recently possible. I left ITP around the same time that VR was becoming very accessible. Um, so I just I put all my energy into VR and did a lot of client work and did a lot of my own projects for a few years. And some of that included projects for myself, um, basically to chill out. And there were... Um, you know, there are a lot of experiences you can do in VR that involve shooting zombies. There are very few experiences that are meditative or relaxing. And, you know, just for my own self, living in New York, it's a stressful place. And so there's just sort of a variety of things that I learned how to do over the years just to, you know, get myself into a more peaceful place. That included um, learning how to play didgeridoo. And I, I bought a nice big gong for myself and learned how to do interesting things with that and I have singing bowls so it's like some some sound work um, I also discovered strobing lights and have been playing with those for a few years in different ways um, so yeah just like kind of a variety of modalities um, uh, I've been playing with over the years and the spa was basically an excuse for me to get all of that stuff together and package it up a little bit more nicely and presented in a way that's accessible for a lot of different people And the way we have it set up now is like everything's basically a poo-poo platter of these different kinds of modalities. And something that we're playing around with is creating experiences that can last longer, like 30-minute experiences, one-hour, even two-hour-long experiences for people to come and, you know, have therapeutic experiences maybe more than... I mean, the space is, I think, a therapeutic experience. Um, Tyler has done an amazing job of sort of having a, a bird's eye view of the entire space. I think that's that's like where um, sort of thinking about my strengths versus Tyler's strengths. I think Tyler's strength is like creating a space where all of this stuff can happen. Um, and yeah, I think that, that a next step is basically drilling in a little bit deeper and creating experiences that are longer and where we can book sessions for those individual experiences. Because I do think that, yeah, right now we have this amazing tasting platter and I think something we're going to work on is is full meals in the future. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe we should start from the beginning. Where did you guys meet and how did you have this idea with the pop-up? Did you also, I know that there was a, there, there was a pop-up, sorry, there was a pop-up 2018 of the Oddly Satisfying Spa. Did you work on that together already? Um, actually, one of the VR experiences we have here is one, is one of the very first VR experiences I ever made, which was around the time that I started getting into sound healing experiences. And one of my first thoughts was uh, uh, that I would love to automate the sound part, and I want to get some massage chairs and get like a, a tiny little basement studio somewhere in Chinatown and start doing doing it like massages. And 
um, Tyler's vision was much bigger <laughs> than, than my vision for the space. Um, so this, like the whole thing was uh, Tyler's idea. And, you know, as soon as he told me about it, I was like, yes, please bring me into this experience. It sounds amazing. Like I knew immediately that it was something I wanted to be involved in. Um, we met and we started talking about this while we were working together on a commercial project. Yeah, we, so I had initially had the idea for the oddly satisfying spa around the time when pop-ups were becoming really trendy. And then I was on Instagram a lot and I was following a lot of like really hot people and I was starting to feel very like lusty and just like uncomfortable, like following the lives of all these people that I was feeling like envious of. And I, but then I even knew some of them and I knew that that wasn't exactly their life. And so I started unfollowing that. And the thing that popped up afterwards was oddly satisfying content, like slime and like weird looping videos and stuff like that. And I started looking and I was like, wow, people have termed this oddly satisfying and they're using and they're always like hashtagging it like soothing relaxing calming but no one is like defined exactly what that is so we started making a pop-up of it and since i've been working in the virtual reality world i thought oh we definitely need to include virtual reality in this because it's also kind of hard to explain that feeling and i think it'll really immerse people in it so I talked to David after he showed me Cosmic Sugar, which is definitely my favorite virtual reality piece of all time. I'll say it again. I've said it once. I'll say it again. I want to say something about Cosmic Sugar too, because I was lucky to try it. It's basically a leap motion piece. So as we've learned earlier, your gestures interact with the screen. And there you see powder-like shiny twirls moving along your movements. I think it's beautiful too, because the lightness of this piece to me, makes so much sense when it comes to virtual reality. So once we found the space, um, David was involved in, in showcasing Cosmic Sugar. And at that time, we were showcasing more artists' um, work and kind of curating it. But that worked better for a pop-up. Once I had David on board, I knew for doing a permanent space, I knew that we could push it much further and make more impactful things um, because that re relationship could kind of evolve and the things we could create would evolve and grow and it would just be stronger in the end. So the pop-up was great. We got a lot of press. It was able to kind of announce the idea to the world. But this version is more impactful, I think. And also it's permanent, as you said. Yes. Yeah. So we have it and we can keep evolving and changing and developing pieces and yeah, so we're also hoping to help out, you know, like other retail, um, hospitality, wellness spaces to, to kind of incorporate some of these concepts into their spaces as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because maybe you can tell like uh, people, uh, they, they don't know what we're really talking about. How would you describe the oddly satisfying spa to someone who's never heard of it before? We've, it's a little, I said, it's hard to explain and harder to forget. <laughs> so it, basically, what we have it as a structure now is we let in about 24 people together. Um, they don robes and um, are kind of entered into a slow space that's very different from the rest of New York. Um, we're in a basement, so already you're in a little bit of a other type of world. Um, 
it's a little, it's quiet, it's, you know, a little secret. Um, and then over about two hours, you're given free exploration of 10 relaxation stations, we're calling them. Um, some of them, they're all interactive. Some of them are a little bit more um, driven by a playful attitude. So we have, for example, a rock garden where you're playing different sounds that are being affected with uh, augmented listening app. And then, you know, we have... Uh, the sand dome where you wear these strange glasses and you play with kinetic sand. And those ones are a little bit more designed for discovery and play and kind of a little bit more childlike behavior that can be therapeutic. And then we have um, a few experiences that are a little bit more intense. So the sonic sauna, which we're doing this interview in right now, um, is designed for a 15-minute sound bath that is kind of uh takes you through these moments of tension and release using just audio um and then we have the rainbow therapy which is a vibrating waterbed um that david developed that uses strobing lights and vibrations to put you into a kind of psychedelic trance-like state and then past that, we have a number of virtual reality passive um, pieces that were actually designed initially for ketamine infusion therapy, and they're being tested right now in a um, in a clinic in New York. And so we have this kind of whole gamut of different things that you can explore and sink into, and and you know people very much are interested in different elements of it. So we don't really define exactly what people's experience should be. We let them spend more time with things that are connecting with them better um, and just kind of dip into things that maybe are a little bit more foreign or they just don't understand exactly. That's nice. And like, how did you find out about what is relaxing? You know, being a virtual reality producer doesn't mean like... Um, no, that's that's not a consequence of it. And also, like you said, you were watching these uh, satisfying videos, these oddly satisfying videos. But there's also like ancient. Uh, I read, you know, um, there's many sources you maybe had. So maybe you can tell something about that. Yeah, um, my sources are a little bit more just what I find personally relaxing, like soft things, mushy things. Um, a lot of those things are used in for therapy for children with like autism, for example, who are maybe a little bit more connected to the material reality of the world and less connected to the kind of conscious human emotional element of the world. So I think those like, yeah, softness, textures, color, kind of like light, fun attitude, a little bit more DIY, crafty, those types of things I find very comforting because I feel like they're very personal. And so that um, was just kind of elements of comfort to me. I would say David has a little bit more of like really looking into relaxation and the ideas of like strobing lights and focal points and, and things like that. So I'll let him talk about it. Oh uh, yeah. I have, I've always found that the things that work for me are um, experiences that bring me out of my body a little bit um, or even sort of force me out of my body uh, in um, 
in a way that can actually be kind of intense. Like something, the first time I went skydiving, for instance, I had been in a, just a really bad mood for a couple weeks before that. And I went skydiving and I just felt amazing afterwards. Cause it's like for about 10 seconds of free fall, I just had no idea what was going on. And it's, it was just like extremely intense. So I think that there is, you know, there's something about experiences that are just like a little bit too intense that just allow you to release whatever patterns and habits of thought you might be stuck in so something else that works is like really intense massages like a really you know intense foot massage for instance can can work wonders for my state of mind um i like the cold pool at the at the russian banya it's like if you get in there if it's cold enough it's like it takes all my mental energy to keep my breathing at a steady pace and, and stay in for as long as I feel like I should. Um, so with those ideas in mind, I've, you know, have sort of pushed for experiences that are, you know, have some of those elements where it's like, it brings you out of yourself a little bit and it, you know, even sort of like pushes, um, pushes you toward, you know, sort of these more intense experiences so the waterbed is sort of like the most intense thing that we have which is um it strobes lights in your eyes which is something i've been playing with for years but most people haven't like really had the experience of looking at strobe lights uh you see really intense patterns behind your eyes and it also just does something um these the strobing actually shows up on eegs um and there's some debate about whether that actually means anything but uh, you can sort of, there are different brain waves associated with different mental states. So um, alpha waves, for instance, are associated with feeling sort of calm and focused. And you can sort of get those states to show up on an EEG using these strobe lights. Um, whether it's actually doing it to your brain, uh, there's some question about that. But I definitely have the experience, and I think other people do too, where once you have an experience with strobe lights like you just feel a bit different afterwards um and we've connected that too to these like very intense tactile transducers underneath the waterbed that just like really vibrate your entire body and then there's just the fact that it's a waterbed and most people you know, you know waterbeds went out of fashion 20 years ago or more so most people haven't even been in a waterbed so the combination of all of these experiences together creates something for people that just like sort of pushes them out of the realm of what is a normal sensory experience for them. So I think that there's also something about novelty that's really important in this space. Yeah. So there's, you know, it's like, you know, novelty means continuously, you know, having to reinvent things. Um, but once you sort of get past the novelty, then you can kind of get into playing with the sensation a bit with your own focus on it. So once you've gotten used to the waterbed, the next step is, like really start to pay close attention to what those patterns are behind your eyes and start to really pay close attention to what's actually happening in your body with those vibrations. And what you'll find is that there's just layers and layers of novelty, the, the more attention that you pay to it. So in a way too, we're also hoping to trick people into meditating, basically. It's like we want people to come in, they don't know what's going to happen, and we sort of create the space for them where it's like they're going to like their head's going to get in that space and it's kind of up to them to, um, you know, stay in it. Uh, but we are creating the space and hopefully sort of getting them into that a little bit so that they can have a taste of it. And then it will be up to them to continue to pursue it. Yeah. One of the most obvious immediate things to help 
relax people is to just tell them not to use their phones at all in the space. And luckily, we're kind of like a brick down here. And so most people don't actually get service. But that like very simple act too just helps people feel a lot more comfortable and not feeling like they need to be connected to the outside world or sharing everything and stuff like that. So that helps too. Um, yeah, along those lines, I think that having everybody whisper, this is all Tyler's uh, like ideas, but having everybody whisper and then also having everybody wear robes, it sort of like takes away the fashion and it takes away like people's sense that they have to be here expressing themselves or showing off. It sort of allows people to just like really get into the headspace that they're just here to take care of themselves. It's also nice that you establish, you know, like this, uh, not having your uh, followers. I, I wanted to go see the Kusama exhibition. Do you know this? Yes. For those who don't know, Yayoi Kusama is a Japanese artist and the show we are talking about had just opened in New York. It involved her most popular installation piece, which is called Infinity Room. These rooms are fully decked out with mirrors and light bulbs hanging at various heights. This setting invites to take atmospheric photos. And I was sure that this is the main purpose for people to go there. It's been a long line of people waiting to get in somewhere I've seen in New York. So I agree with Tyler that it is a good idea to not allow cell phones into the spa. But for sure, this has disadvantages too. Well, we also deal with the commercial elements of all this. And so it's a little bit challenging to continue spreading it when people aren't taking photos. But we're sticking to it. We're going for the long game. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not, yeah. Someone snaps a little photo every once in a while secretly. But yeah, we're not making that our main marketing purpose. You want to say something? <laughs> we are in the process of trying to figure out a uh, photo booth. So it's like, what what would an oddly satisfying photo booth look like? It's still like we haven't quite figured that out yet. <laughs> so, yeah. That's cute. So um, maybe you want to say something about uh, how you feel like how you, uh, the context of New York. You, you went a bit in there, but, you know, is there places similar to that? somewhere and like what does it mean for you to do that in New York um yeah I'm like a little bit sick of New York like a little bit bored of a lot, some of the art scenes I used to spend a lot more time in like DIY spaces that are often surrounded by like parties and things like that that are like very queer and colorful and like a little bit you know less perfect and I always find that very comforting to me so it's kind of nice to develop we're kind of developing a little bit of a community um in in a kind of other type of space that wouldn't necessarily be obvious to the city so that's really comforting and, and exciting for us um and i think that there's not really any other place in new york that's quite like this there's definitely some spaces that are very like wellness focused um they take it very seriously um they're building a community around it and there's definitely places that are kind of experiential entertainment driven um and there's art spaces but not really any that do it in quite the way that we're doing it um maybe that's because it's not really a proven idea yet so we're kind of trying to prove it um, and then, yeah, we, I feel like New Yorkers would connect with this m even more than maybe 
people who live in cities, I think, will connect with this because it's kind of a different way to approach the way that we experience something together. Um, but yeah, I think I'm just like a little bit bored of New York City. Maybe that's where it comes from. <laughs> we both want to leave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're sort of on the same page with that. I have lived here for a long time and a lot of my experience in New York um, is, I mean, I've, I've learned over the years how to cope with living here because it is kind of a pressure cooker. It's really exciting. It's very inspiring, but it's also can be a real grind. Um, so a lot of what I've brought to the space is I don't think it would have, I don't think I would have made these things if I had been living in a place where I didn't feel the need to soothe myself <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite so much. So I think that there's also, you know, just a desire for a space where you can go with friends where it's not a super loud bar where it's like you can interact with your friends, but in a place where you're not shouting to be heard over other people and where there isn't like weird pressure to be drunk or, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, there's another, another space in the city that was inspiring and there aren't really any other spaces I can think of besides the magic dream house. Oh, yeah, magic dream house. That, that, so, um, Magic Dream House is an installation by the musician Lamonte Young. Uh, it's been there since the mid-90s, and it's um, not dissimilar to this room. Uh, there are, are speakers in the corners, and they just play sine waves. Um, I'm not sure what all the math is, but they're very mathy about it. It's like every possible combination of sine waves, basically. So you go in, and it just kind of sounds like... And, and it's carpeted so it's like designed for meditation really um uh lamonte young makes uh and it might be lamont young um makes um very slow music based on um indian music uh he does a lot of ragas and his um concerts uh tend to be like a tone that shifts slowly over the course of an hour um so it's kind of like that it's a space to sit and just meditate in in a room where you're just surrounded by sound. Uh, and I feel like that's, there's kind of a corollary between silence and noise. So if you take a friend, a good friend of mine, um, meditates to pink noise all the time. And it's just like a great way to block everything out. It's like you take every pink, pink, pink noise. So it's like you've heard of white noise, which is like, pink noise is a little bit more soothing. It might be like, there's <laughs> and then there's also brown noise. <laughs> brown noise. Yeah, that's um yeah, there's different colors of noise and the colors just refer to different um like sort of curves like gamma curves that you apply to the noise to sort of um take out different peaks basically. Um so yeah, that's sort of like the like the idea behind the waterbed too. It's like by being in this waterbed where it's like strobing lights and extremely intense vibrations the, the corollary to that is the sensory deprivation tank. So instead of taking everything away, we put everything in, basically. Let me go into this waterbed thing a bit more. So this room is called Rainbow Therapy, and basically you lay down on a waterbed. You will get soundproof headphones, and your face is underneath the overhead light screen. There is a dial you can use to amp up the light display's intensity, which also affects the audio experience and the bed's vibrations. You're about to hear how I loved it. That was for me also, that was the most intense um, experience. 
you know, not not only because it was intense, it was the best, but it was the most intense. It was shaky a bit. I was a bit giggly. We met after that. Yeah. You told me like that just happens. I'm like, you know, what's going on with me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a little disorienting afterwards. Yeah. But still very safe. So like somebody was coming. Are you okay? Da, da, da. Right, exactly. So not too much lose, losing control, but still... Um, Still giving it off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I haven't figured it out yet um, too much, yeah, but it's something I like. So, um, yeah, I feel like maybe I want to ask you one more thing. Sure. Um, so maybe that's very personal, but how, because you are thinking so, like you're producing um, te like creators of technology and and stuff and you had this idea to, to use it in a way you find uh, sensible or, you know, um, so how can we, how can we use technology more like better or in a healthier way? Because you are talking about Instagram. I know so much about like, I know this and be so good. And also this distraction moment, you have like an idea. Yeah. I think that technology is not going away. So it's about asking yourself as you're using it first off what is this doing to my brain how is this affecting my mood and do i have an intention for when i'm using this technology you know mm -hmm. so instead of just i don't know what to do i'm just gonna mindlessly scroll through instagram and just take in all this stimuli that's affecting my mood affecting my opinions affecting my reality my worldview that I get lost in, and I think everyone recognizes as unhealthy, you know, consider what you're, what you're going into different things for. You know, explore listening to music that will help energize you, calm you down, watching things that will educate you in a positive way, or unfollowing things that you recognize are stirring up negative emotions in yourself, you know? I think it's just about taking technology and saying it's very, very powerful and not taking it for granted anymore. And instead developing like an actual, being very conscious of when you're using it and being able to also separate yourself from it if you need. One thing that's really interesting, I was having like when early on in the spa, I was on Instagram a lot and I was just like, scrolling through and it was feeding me every different immersive installation in the city that I was feeling like this should be and it was getting me overwhelmed and so one thing I just did was I didn't delete my account but I just deleted the app off my phone and that immediately changed my response of opening up my phone and, and going to just open it without realizing it and for a probably three or four days I would find myself opening up my phone and going to open it without even recognizing that that was my goal and when I couldn't find it it suddenly clicked in my brain that I was like wait what was I even doing that for it was just an addictive response completely and that went totally away it changed my mental health way for the better and it actually got me focused enough to to really be able to push through and make this thing happen in the vision that we had um, so that's a really interesting tool that I've been trying to explain to people too. You can just delete the app off your phone, just delete the access to it so that you don't have this immediate, just your thumb does it without you even thinking about it. And then you don't have to get rid of any of your history. You don't have to get rid of 
any of this stuff. You don't have to make a big commitment to it. But just delete the app off of anything that is feeling like you're using it incorrectly. A dating app, a, you know, social media, anything that you're overusing or it's making you feel bad, just delete the app off your phone. You're not going to go jump to it. And you'll retrain yourself to different habits. And it's so powerful. And then when you feel happy and comfortable, you can go back to it if you really want or not. <laughs> I also have people turning their phone black and white. I just had to think about that. Did you try that? Yeah, you can turn your phone black and white. Um, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of kind of tricks. You know, I have rules like I don't put my phone in my bedroom. I don't charge it near my bed. Um, I don't allow myself to use it in bed. Um, I also don't allow anyone to use their phone in my car I said if you're riding with me I'm not your chauffeur you can't be using your phone um, you know things like that or at dinners and stuff like that I think the more you can kind of make boundaries the better But I'm telling you, this like just deleting the app thing is like incredibly powerful. Yeah. You should just try it because it it it's crazy what it does to you. For like a week, you'll just be like, "Oh my god, I wasn't even meaning to open this thing up, and I just was doing it mindlessly." Yeah, that's true. I thought about an idea for an app that is like every time you open a social media app, it should say, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Yeah, yeah, like thinking, like, by the way, this can have a mental effect, you know, a negative effect on your mental health. Or at least, like, during that moment, learn a fact or something. I don't know, something more positive for yourself. Yeah. But that's more phone usage. I don't know 100% about, like, computers and stuff like that. Um, I feel like everyone just needs a balance. And also, the, the phone is uh, the, phone is the, the most one that's really there. thing at the moment. You know, yeah, like, it's our third hand or something. Totally. Yeah. Uh, there's a podcast called Hidden Brain, which is great, and they um, had one episode about distractions and how um, damaging they really are. Um, it basically takes about a half an hour to get back into a focused state after you've been distracted even for a second. So if you're working and like an email like pops up and you answer it or your phone vibrates or something and, and you pull it out and look at it, it's like it's going to take you a while to get back into that really focused flow state. So I also feel like part of what we're trying to do at the spa is reintroduce people to just like the idea of like being in that flow state where it's like we remove distractions and we give them these unusual experiences to maybe open people up to the idea that this is something that they do need to be thinking about so that they will go in and delete some of these apps. Thank you. But then let's come back to the spa for the last thing. Um, okay. Just like, how have the reactions been? Are you happy? And also, uh, was there something surprising? Like, you didn't think of that people say or, you know, perceive or something? Um, people have been generally positive. Some people have been extremely positive. Some people have said some of the experiences are life-changing. Um, we've also had you know very friendly people coming through so far <laughs> so i feel like right. uh i feel like we're going to find out you know what people really think about it based on what they tell their friends and and when their friends come and all of that um you know there are being in virtual reality for the last five years uh, i've definitely been finding that people react strongly to the novelty of the medium and it is as a medium it's kind of amazing and then they're like wow that was amazing and then they never do it again Or, yeah, or it's like the content was boring or like something else. So it's like we have a lot of stuff here that's very novel and interesting. And um, 
you know, it definitely works on that level. And I'm hoping that we can bring that into a realm where people are going to want to come back again, where we're going to have these therapies that are modalities that people can really connect with and that they're going to want to, you know, use it as part of uh, their life and as part of like anything else they might do. It's like you have one week where you do yoga and then you do the sensory deprivation tank and then you come here and you do the waterbed or you are in one of our VR experiences for a while. So I think to, to me, that's going to be the proof is when we get return visitors. Yeah. I mean, right now, a lot of people who've come through are supportive of the project. They've learned about it early on. Um, I would say everyone says they leave feeling relaxed and creative. Some people say they feel inspired some people say it's life-changing. I had someone say it was the first time that they'd been able to relax all week. Someone said it was the first kind of form of relaxation that they'd found that just worked for them. So, you know, I'm, that's pretty cool um, when you hear those types of things and very validating. Um, I would say overall, it's been incredibly validating. Um, some people don't get certain things or don't connect with them as well and that's totally to be expected you know we are still updating things but overall people have been very very excited and positive about it so now we just gotta to let it keep happening yeah. let it keep evolving yeah cool um yeah that's a nice it's a nice end so amazing yeah thank you so much cool this was so great yeah, yeah. that was great Hello, everybody. The spa will be closing in about 15 minutes. Please take your time finishing up the last of your treatments before making your way back to the campfire to collect your belongings. We hope that tonight has allowed you the space to take a moment to remind yourself that relaxation and mindful sensory stimulation are incredibly important in maintaining a calm and creative mind. As you exit out into the world, remember that technology can affect our reality more than we realize. Work to balance your digital and physical life. And remember, whenever you need us, our spa is here for you. Thank you.